Thank you for listening to the Late Breaking F1 podcast. Make sure to look out for new episodes every Thursday and Grand Prix Sundays. Hello and a very warm welcome. This is the Late Breaking F1 podcast, previewing the Singapore Grand Prix. Got Harry Eid and Samuel Sage. I'm Ben Hocking, full house yet again. We're doing well for attendance recently, aren't we? We're really getting there. Yeah, it's, it's nice to turn up to your own show, really. Do you remember? Yeah. When, do you remember when you were in school and you used to get like a prize at the end of the year if you were the one who turned up, like you'd never been ill, which like that's a prize. Well, I mean, anyway, <laughs> I've not I've not done well on that front so far. Ha- Harry would not win the prize. <laughs> no. <laughs> Hang away, Singapore Grand Prix. It's been a two-week break. Um, I'm super super pumped to have F1 back once again. Yeah, absolutely. Um, we're going to be talking about that Singapore Grand Prix, putting in our bold predictions as we always do before a race. Uh, and we're going to be talking about some other things as well. We're going to be looking at Sergio Perez's new contract. Is it a good move from Racing Point? And we're going to be putting in our suggestions for the best dream team from all of the current Formula One drivers. But first, the Singapore Grand Prix. After winning eight of eight races, Mercedes have only won two of the last six the question is, now that we are going away from circuits that suit Ferrari, are Mercedes going to get back on the top step? More specifically, will Lewis Hamilton get back on the top step at a circuit? We saw him pull an unbelievable pole position lap at uh, just two years ago. So, Harry, what do you think about this? Do you think that Lewis Hamilton and Mercedes are favourites for this race? Well, I said to yourself, Benjamin, off air, I was a bit worried that this weekend it might... I'm a bit worried Hamilton might just run off into the distance and never come back. Um, I think they're definitely more favourites than they were uh, at the previous two races. And I don't think Ferrari are going to have the pace they've had at the previous two races. But I wouldn't discount Red Bull from this race either, particularly Verstappen. Um, we know that's, that car's good. It's got a good chassis. It's, I mean, it's not lacking too much in the power department now, but it was lacking in terms of Monza spa pace. Um but yeah, I think Mercedes are still looking to be the favourites. That car is going well everywhere, uh, every circuit this year. And even at Monza, where they weren't the favourites, they still were within touching distance of the, of Leclerc. Um, so yeah, you've got, you've got to say Hamilton's looking pretty good for this weekend. And if he pulls out another 2018 pole lap, then everyone better be worried. Yeah. Um, Sam, do you agree with that? Well... You stated the fact, of course, that Mercedes have only won two of the last six. Um, interesting to note that I think for most other uh, race categories, for most other F1 seasons, that would be a really shocking fact. You know, we'd be thinking this is getting a spicy meat to baller, but it's it's Mercedes. And I still think they are as dominant as ever. Although the one objection I would bring up to this is, yes, Hamilton pulled out what was probably one of the most stunning pole laps we have seen in many a year, two years ago at Singapore. But Look at Max Verstappen's lap two years ago. That was also breathtakingly good in a car that was much worse then than it is now. Uh, I think if Verstappen comes in on form, he forgets his previous mistakes from the last couple of races that he has made. I do think there's a challenge there, although there's a couple of heavy straight sections that I think the Mercedes engine is just going to have that extra bit of power on. If Hamilton is happy with the car, you know, has, has these off weekends, if he's happy with the car... I can't see the Bulls getting in front of the Mercedes team. I really do think that Ferrari can be the third best here unless they somehow discover a way to chuck on an absolute tongue of error that works for them perfectly. 
Yeah, I would say that Mercedes have encountered a few difficulties in the last few races, um, mainly because of, number one, unpredictable races such as Germany, and number two, circuits that suit Ferrari. You know, Spa and Monza suited Ferrari down to the ground, and, and Mercedes not so much. And even in those kinds of races, they are still proving themselves to be competitive. Uh, of the 14 races this year, they've won 10 of them. And of the other four, it's only really been Austria where they haven't been close to the win. You know, Germany, they were in full control and, until the uh, the unpredictable conditions happened. Um, and in Monza and Spa, even though, like we say, the circuit suited Ferrari, Hamilton in Spa and both Mercedes in Monza found themselves within a few seconds of victory. So it's not it's not as if they were blown out by 30 seconds by the Ferrari guys at the last few races. They were still very close to the victory. And if a few things had gone a little bit differently, we would be here sat not with Mercedes having won 10 of 14 races. We'd be sat here with them having won something like 13 of 14 races. They have been incredibly dominant all year. And they seem to have sorted the one thing that was doubting, one thing that was questionable about their previous cars, which is they didn't go as well around circuits such as Monaco and Singapore. Um, we, we saw, first of all, we have seen Red Bull and Ferrari have the advantage at Monaco in the past. This year, Mercedes turned up and they were fantastic. And that's the circuit that you're probably going to be comparing most to the Singapore circuit that comes up this weekend. Um, that Mercedes is so good in the low speed corners compared to previous Mercedes cars. And even Red Bull, who have championed themselves at these kind of circuits, I think they might find it difficult to, to stay with them this weekend. Yeah, I think the issue with Singapore as well, not just about the car, but also about the drivers, is it's a real race of endurance. If you look at Red Bull's team, Albon is obviously still very fresh to the sport. He's not got a lot of experience in these pretty much two hour long races under the supreme heat. I know he's from, you know, his genetics are from that part of the world. He's obviously part Vietnam, no, he's part Thai, isn't he? Part yeah. Thai. <laughs> There we go, folks. Geography is definitely my strong suit. Uh, part time, and I spent a lot of time in the Asian part of the world, so he's used to that climate. Max Verstappen, obviously, still a bit of a seasoned racer, but Lewis Hamilton has shown time and time again that in these hotter climates, he does very well. He's a very physically fit athlete. He knows how to handle his body and regulate his attention and his concentration that is needed. And I just think that when it gets into the more nitty gritty, hard working races, he always does well to come out on top. I really do think that this is the kind of race where the mental and physical ability of the driver alongside their skill and the car's ability really does play a key part. And that's where I also think the likes of Leclerc and Albon might struggle, even if their cars were on similar capabilities. Um, yeah, so we have spoken about Ferrari perhaps not being as strong at this type of circuit after Leclerc obviously has won the last two races. Um, Harry, do you give Ferrari any chance at all winning the Grand Prix? Um, yeah, I'm still going to give them the chance to because they're still in that top three teams. And I don't think they'll struggle quite as much as they did in uh, uh, in Hungary. And also we've not there's some, it's been a long time since since Hungary. We've had a whole summer break and then two more races. We're we're like eight weeks since then, so we don't know if Ferrari have put improved their car in that department at all. Um, they're not going to be the favourites, that's for sure. But I wouldn't discount them. And Vettel goes very well around Singapore, apart from when he's crashing into his teammate. Um, but I saw a good stat that he's had pole in all the odd number years since 2011. 11, 13, 17. Didn't have one last year, so here's your year, Sebby. 
<laughs> I mean, the writing's on the wall in that respect. Um, apart from, I don't think it is. No. Um, yeah, sorry. Uh, I think they will struggle. Um, and I know it has been a long time since Hungary where they were completely outclassed. I mean, Hungary, it was nowhere near being close. Um, and we have had a lot of time since then. But looking at how they performed, um, not necessarily at Monza, but that middle sector at Spa is what really concerns me. Because whilst they had a huge advantage in the first and final sectors at Spa, it was almost eradicated in that middle sector. How slow they were through there. In the race, we saw the likes of Hamilton making up seconds on Leclerc in the race in that middle sector alone. And we, we now head to a circuit where there are a few straights, but it's there's a lot of uh, stop-start. It is tough on the brakes. So um, I, I personally can't see Ferrari being anything but the third best car on the grid here. Um, I hope I'm wrong because it'll be entertaining to see perhaps the Ferrari, Red Bull and Mercedes guys go for the win. Um, we haven't seen all three teams being as competitive as each other at too many circuits this year. Um, but I think Ferrari might be might be lacking just a little bit. Yeah, I agree. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm right, lads. I think it's time to introduce circuit talk. I mean, we don't we don't have too much circuit talk, but it oh, is yeah. relevant coming into this weekend for two reasons. First of all, they're going to add an extra DRS straight, so there'll be three DRS uh, ranges going into the weekend. And also, there's talk of the circuit being changed because obviously it is a street circuit, um, and they think that the final complex is going to be going to be altered in future years. Um, Sam, what's your what's your response to both of those things? Okay. For a circuit like Singapore, I'm more up for DRS. I think it a street circuit needs more option to get alongside and to, to duel at least. Not necessarily overtake, but at least have the option for a late-breaking manoeuvre. Of course, we love those here. Uh, or at least a wheel-to-wheel -wheel battle, whereas it is tough to follow in the current cars around Singapore. In terms of the track changes... Part of me is a little bit disappointed because I really like the, the tunnel section. It's a bit different. It's a bit fun. It's a real risk factor to it. You go in there side by side or you're taking a little fast, you're very likely to hit an armco barrier or go straight into one of the, the corner walls and take yourself out of the race. And I do think races need risk. And Singapore's one of those high-risk races, but that section in particular is great for it. I am not certain what they're going to put in there, of course. I am not a planner and developer of the Singapore Grand Prix, although I think I should be. Uh, but I do think... That, um, that they're going to have to do something pretty interesting, pretty special to change those areas of the, the almost key features. Now, they're the significant features of the track. You know, you've got Magnus and Beckett's at Silverstone. You've got Ascari and Parabolica at Monza. I think those corners, the through the tangle and over the bridge, are almost two of the very unique corners in Singapore. So it'd be a shame to change them, but let's hope they can bring something interesting to the table, not just a very you know, boring left, right or something. Harry, what do you think about that? What if they put a jump in instead? Yes, it's about time. Here's me stupidly thinking that you might say something sensible for once. <laughs> I've been proven wrong yet again. Um, yeah, I, I'm, they, I mean, they're going to change it, I think, because the city's going to start doing some building work. But um, I don't mind if it changes. I'm not that fussed by it. It's a bit of a Mickey Mouse section anyway. And the gimmick of them going underneath the, underneath the grandstand wore off after about one year anyway yeah i don't forget that there's a grandstand even there they just go under it now um so yeah i'm all for them changing it maybe make it into something more of an overtaking opportunity because no one ever really overtakes really into that into that section it's too tight and twisty so um 
yeah, change it up. Let's put a jump in. Well, uh, yeah. I'm yeah, not going to agree with that. He disagreed. He said, yeah, to a jump. <laughs> yeah, Hocking wants a jump in F1 2020. Not true. I did agree with pretty much everything else you said, though, so that's more than usual. Um, I think it, it would open up that final corner as an overtaking opportunity, which actually really excites me because it, it's not going to be a um, like a hairpin. It is a fairly quick left-hander. But I, I think it would really work as an overtaking opportunity because you have the option to either stick behind the car and then go for the move into turn one, or you can go for that move into turn 20. But because it's such a fast corner, you would have the opportunity to go around the outside of the corner. It's like a lot of the, the corners we see at um, at Silverstone, like Stowe, for example, where it is an overtaking opportunity, but you aren't necessarily out of it if you are the defender because you can swing all the way around the outside. I think you'd have the opportunity to do that into that final corner at Singapore. So I actually think it would be a really good change. Um but yeah, we'll have to see if that materializes. Of course, as we say, not really anything to do with the Grand Prix because it's a street circuit that they'll they'll make the decisions themselves. Moving on to bold predictions, um, we nearly came up with the same one last time, so it'd be interesting to see if we actually come up with three different ones today. Um, Sam, what have you got for bold? I think they're going to put weapons and sprinklers in the third sector. Shall I go instead? Yeah. Okay, there's going to be no safety car in the race this year. I mean, it's Singapore, so that's fairly bold. That happens a lot in Singapore. They love a safety car. So no safety car, none at all. Everyone will be clean and everyone will at home will be bored. Oh, good. I'm really looking forward to that. No, you should be looking forward to it because Harry is notoriously wrong about everything <laughs> he says. That's, I mean, Harry has got the least of these correct by a country mile. Yes, very true. <laughs> Um, have you got a, a more exciting one that you just than you just had, Sam? I mean, you tell me that that isn't exciting. Weapons exciting. in the final sector. Oh. Not at all. I mean, it is ridiculous. Um, although I do think a big kind of wacky races throw out a, a banana could be good fun. Uh, in all seriousness, uh, I believe that Alexander Albon will get onto the podium. He will be both Max Verstappen and Valtteri Bottas. Ooh. I mean, it's bold. I, I'd say... Perhaps even slightly bolder than Harry's. That's. I mean, I am slightly bolder than Harry, so that helps. <laughs> that, that is true. Um, I'm going to go with something completely different. So good news, we do have three different bold predictions this week. Um, it's a double header. I'm going to say that Robert Kubica will not start on the back row, what? and that George Russell will make Q2. What? Out, out of all the tracks to pick this from, why have you chosen Williams to do so well round here? Because they did well at Hungary. Yeah, true. But they are just a devastatingly poor car. Yeah, but it's it's the, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen at a circuit like Singapore or Hungary. It's not going to happen at a circuit like Monza or Spa, where they are so slow. I reckon we're going to see a monumental being in qualifying, you know. You reckon? Yeah, I reckon one of the Haas guys in their new livery, which is yet to be shown that I've seen anyway, are going to absolutely be... Is it just all black? It's just the same livery, but without the sponsors. Oh, I, knew, I thought that's what I saw in the image. I really hope that was just a, a false image. Um, mm. Pretty gutted. I think they really could go on with something interesting there. That's a shame. But I reckon they'll bring it. I reckon Rogro in qualifying as well. Smash it. We're talk- and as I've told we're talking about the team that were great for three years straight. They're not going to go for anything interesting. They're American. Go I mad. I know. 
Yeah. Um, poll one, two, three. Sam, who have you got? Lewis Hamilton on pole. Lewis Hamilton will win the race. Alexander Albon will come second. And I believe that Valtteri Bottas will be third. Mm, I mean, you said Albon was going to be on the podium as your bold prediction. Not only that, he's going to be second place. So. Yeah, yeah. I think there's going to be an absolute chasm, though, between himself and Lewis Hamilton. Harry? Paul will go to Mr. Hamilton. First will be Verstappen. Second will be Hamilton. Third will be Bottas. Mm. Mm. Interesting. Please <laughs> don't copyright us. Yeah. Um, I am going to make it a trio of Hamilton pole positions. Um, and I think he will win the race as well. I've got Verstappen in second place. Uh, and then Valtteri Bottas, who commonly is going to finish third. So, yeah, that's that's my one, two, three. So we've done exactly the same prediction other than one driver. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. All right. Yeah, a little bit boring, a bit like Harry's race prediction. And I, I think this is a good time to mention as well. Um, obviously, my bold prediction was surrounding Williams. Um, earlier on in the year, Sam, you made a prediction <laughs> that Williams would score no points during the year. And I you did. said that you would eat from your slipper I did. if they did score a point. And of course, Germany happened. Robert Kubica has one point to his name. Do you have an update for the fans as to as to where that video might be? So, folks, uh, if some of you do remember, of course, I did make that absolutely ridiculous prediction. Of course, Williams were always going to score points. That was inevitable. Um, just before we've gone live with this video, uh, in the background, I, as you can see, uh, you can't see it in the picture, but there is a bowl <laughs> next to me that has the remnants of my pasta that was just in my slipper. So there will be a video coming out sometime this weekend. Keep your eyes peeled for it of me eating out of my slipper in what is a really sloppy, warm pasta dish. So keep your eyes peeled. Wholesome content provided by Late Breaking as ever. Um, so, yeah, you've got that to look forward to. Looking at Esteban Ocon. So he will be back in a Formula One seat after taking one year out. He'll be back with Renault. Um, and he thinks that his year out will actually help him as a driver. And he thinks that um, he will be a better driver as a result of not racing in F1 in 2019. Um, Harry, do you think that that will be true? I think he's being very canny with his words. There. I don't think the year out has helped him because this just doesn't make sense because you'd be better in the car than you're out of it. I think it's the year sat in the Mercedes garage which has helped him. Um, yeah, I think... I don't know how much difference it'll make, actually, to be honest, but he's going to have picked up some knowledge from Mercedes, and I've already I've seen that they, they're going to start like easing him out of the garages now. He's not going to be at the races very often because he is now a Renault driver. Um, so he, he's going to pick up knowledge there. He's been integrated in the Lewis Hamilton, Valtteri Bottas team for a year, so he's going to pick up some hints and tips from those two. Um, the not being in the car bit is, I don't get, I don't buy that at all, because any driver would want to be in a car and they would argue they're, better, they're worse out of the car. So, yeah, I think it's just the way he's worded it. But, um, uh, yeah, what's what's my conclusion on that? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Great so, stuff. To have a classic Harry roundabout answer. Oh, it, really, it really lost momentum along the way, that thought. Never mind. <laughs> uh, Sam, have you got anything more conclusive to say? absolute poddle tosh he's not gonna say he's gonna be worse is he that's not good press coverage it doesn't fill your new team with confidence and it doesn't make daniel ricardo go oh i'm scared to race against you 
Esmang Ocon is not going to say he's going to be worse. Yes, I think Harry makes a fair point. He will have picked up some hints and tips of Hamilton and Bottas, and who better to learn from than Lewis Hamilton? Ocon is a driver that has so much potential, and year on year on year, he becomes a standard midfield-level driver who is never going to achieve a top-level seat unless Remo pulls something out of the bag. Um, I don't think he's going to be any better, like Harry said. You want to be a driver, you want to be in a car then. He didn't do any proper long-term racing in that year off. It's not like he went and won another series somewhere else. It's not like he went and did some time uh, over at Indy for a couple of races, or he went and did uh, even something like BTCC just to get his wheel to wheel racing up, or something oh mental. Like, Can you imagine how... in British throwing guard the Yes, in the Volvo, please. Knock um, Hill. Yes, but what, what racing is racing at the end of the day. If you're a racing driver, you know you're signed up to a Mercedes team. Get out there and race. Go to DTM for a couple of races. Do something different. He didn't. He sat back. He was a test driver and a reserve driver. And I do think he's going to be rusty. I think Daniel Ricciardo is going to wipe the floor with him next season. So, no, I don't think he's going to be better. I think it's a lot of rubbish. And I don't think he's going to be very good next year. Wow. That was definitely more conclusive. Um, can't take that away from you. <laughs> These sort of one-year sabbaticals are not all that common in Formula One, so there aren't too many examples that we can draw upon um, to kind of assess whether it will be better or worse for him. I think the the most recent example would be Danny Kvyat. Now, obviously, Danny Kvyat was out of Tour Rosso for a year, um, rejoined the side, was with Ferrari in the interim, um, and I think you would argue it actually served him well. The only difference between those two situations is that Danny Kvyat, I think, really needed a year out. He was emotionally and mentally just drained at the point. Um, you know, he was nowhere near the driver that he once was at the end of his first in, uh, second stint at Toro Rosso. Um, and I think that time away did him well. Perhaps time in the Ferrari garage did him well, too. Uh, and he's returned a, a bit of a better driver, I think. But... With Ocon, I don't feel as if he ever needed that time away. So I don't think it's quite the situation that is exactly the same. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with Sam a lot of the way, really. I think um, he has, he will have learned a lot in the Mercedes garage. Of course he will. Who would you rather learn from than the guys who've been winning year after year? Um, and that will serve him well. He's been doing some of these stories of how many hours he's been doing in the sim uh, is crazy. But there's no substitute for the real thing. There's no substitute for going out there and racing. And I think he will be rusty, as Sam says. I think at the beginning of the year, he might struggle. Um, maybe he'll get there in the end. I'm not too sure. But um, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see how he fares. Um, so obviously, he'll be going up against Daniel Ricciardo, who at that point will have a year of experience within Renault. Sam, you've made your thoughts fairly clear as to where Ocon will stand against his teammate. Harry, do you agree with Sam or do you think Ocon will be a bit more competitive than that? I don't think Ricky Bill is going to bite the floor of them, maybe in the first few races, but um, he'll still be, uh, Ricardo, I think, will still beat him. Um, and because Ricardo is going to have been there for a year and he'll be the number one driver, and it technically probably is now anyway, but um, yeah, he'll be well integrated into that team. But it's going to be an interesting one. I think that's that's a very strong lineup. Renault have got, got themselves there. Very tasty little lineup of drivers. So yeah, they get the car to work, which apparently just doesn't like downforce, as was evidenced in Monza. Um, yeah, if they get a bit of downforce on the car, then they could be strong. Yeah, I think um, 
Ocon has not got it easy. He he returns, you know, having not raced for a year, he has to come back and face Daniel Ricciardo, who at that point will have the experience. And I think it is a really underrated, um, an underrated trait of of being at a team for a certain amount of time. It's it's a real advantage. Um, we've seen it at Renault themselves with with Hulkenberg and Sainz. Now, I would personally argue Sainz is marginally better than Hulkenberg as a driver. I think it's fairly close. But Hulkenberg was comfortably better at Renault. And I think a large part of that was because Sainz was walking into Hulkenberg's team. Hulkenberg had been there and done it for a year. And Sainz was walking into an unfamiliar climate and an unfamiliar territory and having to you know develop relationships with the engineers and everything that Hulkenberg's already had to do and I think we might see a similar thing with Ricardo and Ocon Ricardo will have had a year of, of experience within the team he's getting paid a buttload of money so he's going to be the favored one if there's any kind of confrontation between the two um and yeah there is that whole thing of Ocon maybe being rusty at the beginning beginning of the year I, I would say Ricardo has the advantage in that respect and Ocon's going to find it really difficult. Of course, there's no language barrier, which helps. Um, but outside of that, he's going to have to walk into a brand new environment and think that that takes time. Yeah, it does take time. But I think for Ricardo, Ricardo's going to see this as the chance of if I'm going to win anything big with a manufacturer team, this is my chance now. Do what Schumacher did at Ferrari. Do what Hamilton has done at Mercedes. Now is his time to build the team entirely around him and almost alienate Ocon from the start. I know you have your teammate, but he needs to make sure that Ocon is his wingman and not his competition. Um, Ocon's going to, in a climate sense, in a culture sense, is going to adapt very quickly due to, like you said, the same language. There's a French team with a French driver. That always helps. But I generally think that Ricardo needs to put his foot down. He needs to own the team internally and build the team around him and develop that car around him. I always say to them, look, let's build the car my way. I know how it works. I've been at Red Bull for that long amount of time. I know what makes a good chassis. I know how it feels. He needs to go for it now. Now he is the number one driver. He's got that, that much longer amount of time. If Ricardo wants to win anything with Renault, this is the chance to grab it by those horns and, and go for it. Well, moving on from... Ocon to his ex-teammate, Sergio Perez. Uh, he signed a long-term contract with Racing Point that will see him race for the team until the end of 2022. Uh, might be the longest contract going in F1 at the moment. Uh, Harry, what did you think of this move? Do you think it was a, a wise one from Racing Point's perspective? A wise one from Racing Point's perspective, yeah. What that um, Perez has been there for, for years now. He's been there for five years. Um, and he's been through the the bankruptcy or the administration as it was. Um, yeah, he's fully integrated. He is Mr. Racing Point or Mr. Force India, whatever you want to call it. Um, yeah, a very wise move from Racing Point because Perez, you know, he could still be snapped up by a higher higher team one day. Um, and he's a very solid driver to have, particularly on race day. He, he brings it home quite regularly. So, um yeah, very wise from him. For Perez himself, maybe this seems a bit like he's resigned to the fact that this is where he's going to drive now. There's no really potential opportunities further up the field. I know I just said that he could be, but I don't see a higher team taking him. He's not going to go to Ferrari or, or you know, Red Bull anytime soon. So, um, yeah, it's not an unwise move. If he wants to drive in Formula 1 for the next few years, it's a good move. But, um, yeah, it's like he... He's resigned himself, or he's not resigned, that's the negative way of saying it, but he's decided that this is where he's going to play out his career in F1. Sam, your thoughts? 
Lewis Hamilton. He's got Lewis Hamilton. I bet he wishes he was sometimes, but he's not. Sergio Perez is a driver that's been in Formula 1 for a long time now. And we've said this about many drivers on the grid, that most of them get to the point and that is their peak. I think Perez is probably now just off his absolute peak. He's just declined ever so slightly. He can't go to a better team. I don't think he's got the ability to, unless there's a real hash uh, team higher up the, the rankings of what he's at. He knows that Racing Point have the money, and if a cost cap doesn't come into play, they are in one of the best positions to progress. But I genuinely feel like he knows that he can't get any better. He knows his team might get better, and that he's got a real solid place that he's loved by that team. And he's going to play out the rest of his career there. Why not? It's a safe place where he's getting paid a lot of money to do so. He enjoys his racing. He can be successful there, and he has an input on what goes on. He's still the number one driver there, despite Stroll basically owning the team from within. Um, it's a sensible idea. Why not keep him there for Racing Point? He's got the experience to help them continue to grow that team. It's good for him as well long term. Two, three more years there. And then that'll be it, I reckon. So I can't I can't fault the man for choosing to stay there for a, another couple of years. It's a, it's a clever and sensible decision. Yeah, I think, Harry, you summed it up perfectly by saying he is Mr. Racing Point. He has been at that team for so many years now, and he's been able to get them podiums, which no other driver has been able to to really get for them. Um, and it's good to see that Force India, as they were, took a real risk with Sergio Perez. He'd just come out of McLaren, didn't look too good. Force India were the only team that looked like they were going to take a gamble on the guy. And it's really repaid from both of their perspectives. Perez had a career revival and, you know, Force India had plenty of podiums thanks to Perez. So it's been a good relationship all round. And um, that was only enhanced with what happened with the administration last year, where, where Perez stuck by the team and he fully deserves this contract. The problem that Racing Point have is that... We don't know where they're going to be in the future. We don't know how much better they're going to get. They're, they're in the midfield, fully cemented in the midfield at the moment. But we know that the money is going to keep on rolling in thanks to Lawrence Stroll. How far will that get them up the grid? In 2021, we're not even sure what the, um, the regulations are going to be and whether there is going to be a cost cap. Because if there is a cost cap, Force India slash Racing Point have always been very good and efficient with their money, which could see them in a much better position. If that's the case, Perez is a really good driver, and I've always rated Perez, and I usually stick up for him. Um, he is more than good enough for where the team is right now. But if the team becomes slightly better and starts maybe even competing for wins, is he good enough to be the number one driver in that scenario? I don't know if he is. Um, and that's the real issue of having Lance Stroll, a limited Lance Stroll, as one of your drivers. It essentially means that if you are having a long-term contract for your other driver, you are cementing your whole lineup. There's not really anything you can do. It makes you, as a, as a team, you know, you've locked in those drivers. Essentially, unless something really weird happens, Racing Point are going to have the same lineup until the end of 2022. Lance Stroll's not going to go anywhere whilst Lawrence Stroll is there. And like I say, Sergio Perez, an absolutely great driver for where they are now. If, and we don't really know, because Perez has never really had the opportunity to take it to the next level, but if he can't, and that's the point, we don't know at this point, if he can't take it to that next level, they're kind of stuck with two drivers who won't be able to maximise the car. And, you know, maybe, maybe Perez will be good enough to take wins when given the opportunity, but we've never seen him in that spot. Until we do, we can't say confidently. So um, I think it's a smart move from Perez's perspective, from 
racing points perspective, maybe it is a bit of a gamble to give it a three-year contract because until the end of 2022, it's a long time in F1. A long time with new regulations coming in and a lot of talent coming through F2 and F3 at the moment. You can't deny how strong the younger generation seems to be at the moment. And a three-year contract into a new generation of Formula 1 is a massively risky thing. Pretty much the only person who's got that deal on the green, I would say at the moment, guaranteed, is Lewis Hamilton. Everyone else is still going to be surely comfortably expendable on the grid, I would say, um, even if their contract technically goes over that date. Lewis Hamilton, to me, is the only person, Max Verstappen, I guess, is the other one, that gets a say in what they want to do after 2021, regardless of the changes. I don't think Perez is good enough to warrant being guaranteed a place a whole year into a whole new set of regulations. So it's sensible, but maybe not actually risky enough from Racing Point, who have got the chance to bring in a lot of young talent. They're, they're a big team now. They're well-established. They've got the money. They really could handle some quality talent on F1. Um, I don't know if they've just resigned themselves to maybe being a little bit too reserved and possibly going to fall down the order over the next few years. And I guess to wrap up this week, who do we think, 20 drivers on the grid, who do we think is the best dream team? You have complete control. Money is not an issue. Who do you pick? You can have any two drivers on the grid. I'll be interested to see if we come up with the same answers or if we come up with something very different. Um, Harry, I have no doubt that you're going to pick um, a driver that's not even on the grid as a joke, but go on. <laughs> oh, he's muting himself, folks. Folks, he's muting himself. Oh, you've, you've really messed that up, Harry. <laughs> Go on. What I was going to say was, I'm not going to do it now because you've you you pulled me up on it, so I'm not going to do a driver that's not on the grid. It's going to be sensible. Out of interest, who who would it have been? Ragunathan. Uh, okay, no, that's, that that would have been a good one as well, so yeah. sorry for spoiling that. <laughs> yeah, um, who, do you, who are you going for? Um, it's tricky. So I'm trying to think, you also want the best drivers... But then you also want drivers that will get on. Well, not get on, but they won't take each other out all the time. Um, so in my dream team, I'm going to put Max Verstappen and... I'm going to put Max Verstappen and Charles Leclerc. I'm looking Ooh. to the future, lads. Looking to the future. Wow. Not going to take each other out. They're going to bang wheels a bit, which we've seen already, but they're not going to take each other out. A young team. Maybe once. Yeah. I, I just think if you put Hamilton and Verstappen in, this, in the same team, they would end up taking each other out at some point. I think that would be inevitable. But, Sam. Yeah. No Hamilton in Harry's dream team. I'm going to guess he's in your dream team. Hamilton is the one guaranteed seat in my team. And the other one is what is really... I'm, I'm tempted, do I go for age or experience? So... Hamilton makes it because, realistically, unless you're doing what Harry does entirely, look 100% to the future. If you were going in the now and you want to develop a team and develop a car and have pure experience and still such raw pace, still arguably the fastest driver, I'd say, in the world on four tyres. Lewis Hamilton is your man of the moment, undeniably. Also, he's going to make me pure dollar bills when he retires because we're going to be busy mates designing Tommy Hilfiger together, getting our brains done. Oh, get out of his bottom... The, the man, I'm torn between two two gentlemen. Um, the youth option, uh, George Russell. It's an all Mercedes youth driver lineup, but I think the Russmeister actually 
Okay, actually, I take it as three. Three drivers. The Rossmeister is, I think, a really solid option. I really think, for a good couple of years, strong wingman, and it's got real potential. Of course, current F2 champion as well. Um, the other option, which for me is a bit of an outside choice, is Mr. Lando Norris. Uh, just because the meme lord, he's not going to not get along with anyone. Everyone loves him, and Hamilton sometimes could uh, use some milk. So I think that it's uh, always good to have, to have that, but he's the outside option. I think the man I'm really going to go for is actually slightly controversial Ferrari League driver Sebastian Vettel as a Hamilton Vettel Mercedes driver lineup um, tend to be world championships in one team. They're so past the argumentative silly stage that I think that they're just going to shake hands, go have a little coffee somewhere and chill out. And I love the idea of them just being a bit old together. I think that's really fun. In their slippers. Yeah. Yeah, I think that would be really fun. So, yeah, for me, Vettel and Hamilton is the current dream lineup. Crazily, I was worried that we'd all come up with the same thing. And as it happens, you two have mentioned six names between you and none of them have been shared. Um, which would, yeah, that seems mad. So, Sam, your final answer is Hamilton and Vettel with, with Russell and Norris on the outside. I was going to say that you are definitely going to get British bias comments, but I think the Vettel selection might have saved you there. Um, I am not going to go for exactly the same as either of you. I, I think if this was on pure talent, and it's as you say, Harry, you've got to factor in chemistry. If it was just talent, at the moment, right now, it's an easy one for me. It's Hamilton and Verstappen. I think they are quite comfortably, mm, relatively comfortably, I'll go for, uh, quicker than everyone else. Maybe Charles Leclerc in P3. Um, but would Hamilton and Verstappen work within a team? I'm going to go with no. Um, Hamilton is my lock. Um, you know, he is still performing at an, an elite level. He's winning championship after championship. Um, I, I can't turn that down if I'm looking for a dream team. So I've just got to look for who's going to partner him. Like I say, if it's on talent, I'm going with Max Verstappen. But because of chemistry and because I think he would get along slightly better, even though there was a little bit of a disagreement at Monza, I'd go with Charles Leclerc. Um, I'm going to go with the partnership of Leclerc and Hamilton. I think Leclerc has the potential just to get along a little bit better um, than Hamilton. And um, even though Verstappen is slightly quicker now, I think in future Leclerc will bridge that gap as he gets a bit more experienced. And I think the two of them actually in the future will probably be the top guys. Um, so, yeah, that's my, my selection. I'm going to go with Hamilton and Leclerc. Do you know what? I think, I think then yours might actually be the least likely to happen. As, as weird to say, I actually think we can have more chance of seeing Leclerc and Verstappen in the same team than we do of seeing Hamilton and Leclerc in the same team. So, out of interest, how do you think that Hamilton-Vettel dynamic would work? So you, you clearly think that they wouldn't implode. Do you think that they would get on well as teammates? I actually think that they are so respectful of each other now. They've so grown up and come past their differences. I mean, people still know that Hamilton is this whiny child of a racer. And he really isn't. And the same with Vettel. We've heard Vettel have a moment as well. They are both so level-headed and calm and they're all about the racing. They just want to be the best they can be on track and they give everything every weekend. Vettel may not be of the same ability he once was, but for me, he'd be the second driver to Hamilton. They both still absolutely gung for it. They both play strategically well. 
they both love the team. If they get them in the right team, they love playing for the team as well. I just think it would work. I genuinely think they go out for little dingers together. They get bad haircuts together. I just, it's it's a it's the fan, I, it's the group of drivers I never knew I actually wanted. And I'm fully committed. If they're both 39 years old racing for a back market team together, I'm supporting that team. That's wicked. So I'm all for it. I just think they can chill out, have a laugh. And Harry, you've obviously gone for two young guns in Verstappen and Leclerc. We've had them have a little bit of argy-bargy over the last few races. Um, do you not think that that might implode? You've got two guys who have no championships to their name. They're both going to be want to be the first one there. Is is that not going to cause friction? Argy-bargy, yeah, but they've not. They could have easily taken each other out on all of those occasions. And all of those occasions, it's only been. A bit of algae and a bit of a bit of bargy. Um, <laughs> I do love me a bit of bargy. Oh well, yeah. Who doesn't? Uh, oh, really go for a curry right now. <laughs> um, yeah. So what I'm what I'm saying is that they've had plenty of opportunity to take each other, wipe each other out of a race this year, particularly when they are still both really young. Um, and you know, Leclerc's been going after his first win. Verstappen is trying to establish himself as you know, the next great driver. Um, and they've not, they've not. So I, I believe that that would only improve over time anyway. So, yeah, I think they'd be okay. They were not saying there wouldn't be friction potentially and there wouldn't be more bargy and argy, but I don't think they'd take each other out. And obviously we want to know everyone's dream team. So get that to us. And if you agree with one of us three, maybe you think we have got it right for once. Maybe not, but. Probably not. Probably not. Uh, if, if you see a dream team that you love, uh, give it the thumbs up in the comments as well, because we'd love to see which one is the most popular uh, dream team that you guys comment on as well. Yeah, absolutely. Um, on that note, Sam, get us out of here. Well, if you've enjoyed the ridiculousness and you're looking forward to, I'll say it again, seeing me eat pasta out of a slipper, then please stick around for more late-breaking videos. Do like the video. Do listen to the podcast for all of the videos combined. Uh, please subscribe. It means the world to us that we are growing. We want to see you come along with us for this crazy journey and the rest of the Formula One banter that we provide you. Uh, but until the next time, I've been Samuel Sage. I've been Ben Hocking. And I've been Harry Eats. And remember, keep breaking late.